0: Coming up today on the Locked On Hornets podcast, Sam Perley of Hornets.com joins us. Doug is extremely annoying, a little bit more than usual today. We also wonder if Miles Bridges' defense is actively hurting the basketball team and this.
1: Three B's.
2: You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, we live.
0: this is locked on hornets presented by the locked on podcast network it's your team every day local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network we have a special guest today sam pearly of hornets.com you can find him on twitter at sam underscore pearly uh sam thanks so much for joining us today man how are you
2: I'm doing well. Thank you for having me as well. I was just telling Doug, yeah, it's always always good to come on after a win. So uh, got that going for us today.
0: And you know what? They've been coming a little bit more frequently than I think a lot of people yeah. would have thought, Sam. Uh, I think a lot of people had this team as not only one of the worst teams in the NBA, but possibly the worst team in the NBA. And I think when you had been watching some of the victories that they got, I I think I'm right about this. You're the math guy. You're the guy with all the stats. That's why we brought you here. We want you to share some of the nuggets that you tweet out on Twitter. We want you to share some of those with us. But I think when I was looking at the eight wins that they were able to accumulate before last night, I think if you were to combine all of the point differentials that they had in those wins, it only came out to about 24. And last night's win was by a margin of 15. So the Hornets actually, it seemed like played their most complete game. Sam, would you agree that they played their most complete game last night?
2: Oh, absolutely. I think wire to wire, that was the best performance of the year. Obviously, you know, you're playing a Warriors team that's a little banged up. They had Russell back last night. They had Draymond. They're playing a lot of young guys, but, um, Overall, I think that was hands down the best performance of the year offensively, defensively. I think they led the entire game. I think it was tied maybe twice in the second half at one point, but I don't know. Maybe the Warriors led by one at some point, but yeah, really, really impressive performance all the way around last night, both offensively and defensively. And like you said, I think they, of the six of their nine wins this year, have come by three or fewer points, and that already matches last season's total. Um, last year, they only had six one possession wins. This year, they've got six. So, um, they're they're winning more games, and I think people kind of thought and they're winning close games too, which was a problem for this team in years past.
1: Yeah, what's the difference this year? I mean, Sam, you're you're on the inside. You're talking to these guys every day. I mean, what's what's been the thing that's allowed them uh, to win all of these close games?
2: You know, it's it's. I think you can. I think kind of from standing, it's just been an impressive display of poise from a young team. I think you've got a when You're starting a rookie. You're starting a couple second year guys, a couple third year guys, and then one veteran in either biz or Cody, I mean, it's, that's just not, it's just not normal and you can't really put a finger on it. I mean, I would say, I think kind of the consensus is, and JB has spoken about this a couple of times, is in years past, you know, when you only have one guy, maybe last year, a little bit more with Jeremy Lamb uh, towards the season ends that you kind of know who's getting the shot and rightfully so And Kemba was a tremendous player three-time All-Star, you know, 25-point-per-game player, but, you know, opposing teams kind of knew where the ball was going, and this year, it seems like it's different guys stepping up at the end. You've had Devonta hit a couple big shots, Terry, PJ. I mean, they've even had defensive stops to kind of win some of these games, and I think it's just kind of a byproduct of you've got a lot of guys pitching in. I mean, one night, it's it's Terry going off when it's Devontae going off, it's PJ, it's miles, it's Dwayne, it's Malik. I mean, he had the game winner a couple weeks ago against Detroit. So I think sort of the, I guess element of you have different guys that contribute on any given night has kind of helped th- those late game situations that, you know, other teams can't really keen on one particular player that's going to get the ball provided Devontae doesn't keep playing this outstanding mm-hmm. as he is. But, uh, you know i think it's just you've got a lot of guys chipping in 10 15 20 points and i think everyone's kind of capable of uh of doing it and that's that's the best way i can kind of explain sort of the effectiveness in these close games
0: yeah sam you tweeted out uh just a little while ago about Devonte graham's performance last night hitting 10 three-pointers you know setting and i think tying the franchise record along with Kimball walker for most three-pointers in a contest. You tweeted out last night was just the sixth time an NBA player has hit nine plus three pointers in a single game this season. Devonte Graham has done it twice. And Levine Harden, Buddy Heald, and Duncan Robinson were some of the other guys that have done it. So when you look at Devante and what he's done, you know, Sam, did you think it's, it's tough to ask anybody, Hey, are you surprised that Devonte is giving us this? Because I don't think anybody expected this kind of performance, but did you expect a pretty significant jump from Devante Graham this season?
2: Um, I mean, I think the significant jump was going to be a byproduct of his just more opportunity and more playing time. I think on paper, when you come into the season, you have Terry, you had Dwayne kind of starting in the backcourt, and then Devontae goes off. I think it was like six threes on opening night off the bench and almost 30 points, and it's like, okay, you know, is this – maybe this is an anomaly now, 20, 23, 25 games in now, and he's continuing to do it. I mean, I have never seen a – year to year jump, particularly from a first to second year player, because that's you know pretty pretty challenging. I've never seen a jump as significant as what Devontae has done between these two seasons. And then granted we're a little over a quarter of the way in. There's plenty of basketball to go. But I think he was he was a sub thirty percent three point shooter last year. And granted he didn't play as much and he played behind Tony and he played behind Kemp and he played off the ball a little bit more. I think when Jeremy Lamb had some injuries in the middle of the season. But to say that I think anybody saw this jump coming at any – I think they're lying. I don't think Devontae even saw this jump mm-hmm. coming. I mean, he's put in the work. He's been a tremendous – had a tremendous summer, and he was here every single day working, working with assistant coaches. But um, it's it's been a, obviously a lot of fun to watch, as you know we can attest. But, um, no, it's 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 crazy. And it's – you know to do this in his second year and to be second in the NBA in three-pointers right now through a quarter of the season is – is really remarkable. It's a testament to his hard work. It's a testament to the coaching staff in the front office putting him in position to succeed. Going to Greensboro and learning behind Tony and Kemba last year, it's uh, been a lot of a lot of fun to watch. Particularly as uh, someone who works for the team.
1: Sam, when they elevated Devontae Graham to the starting lineup, you pair him with Terry Rozier, who they gave a contract to in the in the off season, and and they bring him in. And there was a lot of talk: is he, you know, is he going to replace Kemba Walker? What's the deal there? So. When you paired those two guys together, there were all kinds of ways that it could have gone wrong, but it really hasn't. I mean, they paired very well together. Uh, wh- what have you seen, just in how they have worked together to share the basketball and both be effective offensively at the same time in different ways?
2: Yeah, it was an interesting pairing. I mean, I think, like I said, you know, Devontae was going to be the full-on backup point guard to start the year. I think after 10 games, it was come to game. You know, Dwayne was kind of not necessarily off to the to the start maybe kind of thought he's sort of worked his way back a little bit in the last few games but kind of pairing those two and terry said after the game he he says this is kind of the way the nba is going it's it's starting or playing two primary ball handers that can score next to each other and it just i mean last night it was just i mean that was fun that was fun to watch they had fun watching it when it's you know i think they complement each other very well i mean terry is shooting very well from three point right now as well he's over 40 percent on the season i think close to 60 over his last seven games which is extraordinary because I think he was 36, 35 maybe for his career coming in. And that was kind of a knock when the Hornets added him. um, And I guess the sign and trade technically, but I think they complement each other very well. Terry's been very, very good defensively too, which I think complements Devante and just seeing them work off each other. I mean, it's a work in progress. They're still learning each other out. They've only been starting together, I think 15 games, but overall it's a nice I, I just think it's it's just one of those things that you know jb kind of mix and match starting lineups and found that they just work well together and um i don't think there's any moment on the court any moment during a game where one of them isn't on the court at a time i think he's, he's done a good job staggering them and then playing them together when the time calls
0: sam of course a part of hornets.com and when you look at the re- when you look at this team and maybe some of the storylines that aren't getting talked about enough in your eyes, Sam, is there one that in particularly stands out to you that, hey, this is actually something I find really interesting that we should be talking about a lot more on this young season?
2: Oh, that's a good question because it's like, you know, the, the Terry and Devontae duo is kind of uh, taking the headlines. I think it's kind of what I harken back to you for is you've had a lot of guys kind of contribute, and it's not, you know, it's, I think, I, almost through the beginning of the season, it feels like everybody's had a moment or a game or a performance or something they can hang their hat on to, you know, this is, this is a team effort in the, in the best sense of the word. I think you, you go down the, the line, you know, you look at Cody Martin in that game in Golden State last month, where you had the four or five plays at the end of the game to win that one. You've had, you know, Nick Batum who had the injury and has come back and is, you know, quietly, you know, he's not putting up 15, 20 points a night, but he had, Five rebounds, five assists, multiple steals and blocks last night off the bench. I think he's had good performance. Biz has done a great job filling in for Cody at times. Cody started the year with a bunch of double doubles. I mean, I think that is kind of the something that it's the the, sort of the unpredictability in the night tonight. I think Miles had a thirty-point game this year, Dwayne's had a twenty-five point game, Malik had the game winner, Um, Biz had that big block in Detroit to beat the Pistons last week. You know, PJ's obviously been a huge surprise. I think you know, coming in and in the middle of the lottery, but I think, you know, kind of a long winded answer. It's, it seems like everyone's kind of had a moment this year for this team. And I think that's something that's been really cool is you can kind of, uh, you know, I guess, give everybody credit for pitching in at one time or another,
1: Hey, Sam, uh, I know at the beginning of this interview, Walker called you a math guy. I would love to get your thoughts on that about being called a math guy because I've seen you. uh, You're on Hornets.com. You're (laughs) you're interviewing players after the game. It feels like to me you're more than a math guy. I'd love your thoughts on Walker's insult towards you.
2: I, I didn't take it as an insult. I think it was a compliment. I take, ner- I take good nerd as Sam. A, as a compliment I
1: don't know what there. Doug is trying to do
0: to me. Uh, that was that was uncalled.
1: I just for. feel like it was unfair. I just feel like it's unfair to label someone a math guy. I mean, I think that Sam is is uh, you know spreading his wings this year, and you're calling him a
2: math guy. Yeah, I didn't take it as an insult. I I I, uh, I will revel in the term nerd. You know, I, I I like numbers. I like pointing things out. I like the over box scores. I mean, it's just something I've always kind of been interested in when I was younger looking at box scores and kind of going poking through them the next morning and see what stands out, you know, and and especially this season kind of going into it, we knew what the expectations were. And I think we've exceeded to this point um, on the court. And it's all about trying to kind of find those numbers to pump up our guys even more, you know, make this team shine and get, you know, basically shine as much as possible, even when things are going uh, a little rough. But I mean, right now I think it's, you know, things are going well um, kind of based on, the, uh, the expectations to start the year. See, Sam's
1: yeah. like me, Walker. Put it in the box score. Put it in the box score, or get out of here.
0: <laughs> yeah. No.
1: Well, I'm Sam insulted, does a
0: little I bit. No, yeah. <laughs> good. And and you shouldn't, Sam. In fact, I don't know why that he would associate math as a bad word. I'm not. I'm not Doug Doug saying Doug that the math is a bad word. What I'm, a is, what I'm ahead, saying is,
1: what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, he's more than a math guy. You're trying to put him in a box. You're trying to put him in a box score. I'm saying he's more than a box score. He's bigger than the God. box score. Uh, Sam is a, is a rock star right now. And I, th- I think you just need to show him a little bit of deference. Follow
0: Sam with some excellent information on Twitter. That just so happens to be predominantly numbers and also fact-based <laughs> it's an extremely entertaining. I love every bit of it. Go follow him on Twitter at Sam underscore pearly. Sam, I'm going to get you out of here on this. We're not going to ask you about numbers, mm-hmm. but instead I'm going to ask you how we should value these wins. Because to me, it seems like when the Charlotte Hornets win against the warriors, the classic take mm-hmm. from everybody is they won the game and it was really good, albeit it was against a really bad Warriors team. It was against a bad Kings team that has been struggling. It's been a bad team like the Chicago Bulls who have been struggling. You know, how should we value these victories over teams that their record might not be as good, but also this is still a young team in the Hornets? How do you think that we should be looking at these victories over teams that aren't above 500?
2: I mean, they all count the same. And, and I mean, that's the reality of it. It doesn't matter whether you beat the Lakers, the the Knicks, it, they all count the same. And, you know, I think it's, you know, you look at a team like that Warriors team last night, that's 4-18, and 4-19 now. I don't think there's a team in the league that wants to win as badly as they do right now, especially guys like Draymond and D'Angelo Russell who've been in situations they want to win. I mean, it's, it, I think it's, you know, you go into and watching these games, and you play teams like the Bulls. I mean, everybody wants to win in this. Like, it's so competitive. It's so hard. It's so hard to put together 48 minutes. As we've seen time and time again, this, especially with this Hornets team, is a line between winning and losing is so thin sometimes that it could be a rebound, it could be a box out, it could be a shot. I mean, it's, you know, and especially when you have a young team, and you know, there's a lot of talk. You know, people say, you know, tanking and you know, playing down for a draft pick. I mean, I don't think. That makes you better. I think you take your young guys and you play them, you put them into position to succeed, and that's how you can develop. And you put them in situations where, like you've had these late game situations where they can excel. And ultimately, I think that's how you're going to get your team better. So, to kind of circle back on your question, they all count the same. I mean, there's no asterisk. I mean, the Lakers, I think I saw something that all their wins this year prior to their most recent two had come over teams. Uh, they were like 14 and oh against teams under 500, three and three against teams at 500, but they all count the same and you want to be a good team in this league. You got to beat the teams. You got to beat who's on your schedule. So I think they all kind of value the same and night to night. It's, it's a battle, whether, you know, teams four and 18 or they're 18 and four.
0: That's good stuff from Sam Pearly of Hornets.com. Again, find him on Twitter at Sam underscore Pearly. Sam, I apologize that Doug tried to throw an insult your way or made me I was throw not an offended. insult your way. Wait a minute, wait a minute. But that I was, appreciate a, I was, that every was an, bit an insult from that me. That you shared with us on the podcast. Thank you so much, Sam.
2: Yes, and I'm not offended. I love, I love the numbers. I love the stats. I love all the names and stuff. So I'm a happy, happily self-confessed nerd when it comes to uh, all things Hornet stats. So I'm not offended. I actually take it as a compliment.
0: You should, you should, Sam. Thanks. Once again, we appreciate your time here on the lockdown Hornets podcast coming up. We'll have a golden state warriors recap about the game. Me and Doug will be with you here on the lockdown podcast network.
1: This is locked on Hornets. And the Google description here says on contracts made before June, where the wheat is deliverable in December, either wheat of the grades named or numbered, B shares Batik of New York, N.B.A. So take that for what you will. It's a lot of information I just threw at you. I apologize. What was the grade? The, yeah, the wheat was graded uh, C minus. Let's get them on.
2: It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast.
0: How about the performance of the Hornets backcourt last night really was incredible. And you can look in several columns of the box score that Doug likes to check out so much. How three about Devonte Graham, Devonte Graham, 10 of 16 from beyond the arc, 10 made three pointers, just insane. What Devonte gave you from the outside last night, three 33 B's. points had three of three shots go in from the charity stripe. And just kind of looking at this, uh, snap that a uh, stat that snuck up on me right here. You look at Wait! I love lineup. that. Hold
1: on, hold on. Uh, a stat that sneaks up on you is called a snat. <laughs> I love is that, that. What it was?
0: Yeah. Yeah. There said you said snat.
1: It snuck up on you. It's a stat. It's a snat.
0: Yeah. Well, I had somebody yelling in my ear while I was trying to perform. So three maybe that's what did it to me. So you have. Yeah. You. You. You're trying to make that
1: sell. It's my, nick- Who, it's my nickname you- for Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier. This backcourt that is absolutely sizzling from beyond the arc. Couple of three Bs! What I love, and also what I. Really
0: hate at the same time is me trying to go somewhere, me trying to steer the car to the road that I want to travel down. Mm -hmm. But all you're really doing, right? It's it's nothing about waiting your term. There's nothing subtle to this. It's just you shouting the thing that you want to talk about, just the three B's, three B's, three B's. And it's like, okay, five year old toddler, what would you like to talk about right now? Hey, oh, well, since you asked, you know, it's the nickname that I want to name the backcourt. I, mean, good God. I, mean, I want talk to talk about, about it that. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about the three B's. Who was the guy that tweeted out that they wanted a nickname for the backcourt. It was this is who it was Fokey, Right. And you decided that you wanted these guys to be the three B's, which I got to tell you, you've had some great work in your day. Not the biggest this, fan. Uh, this thing. This is included. There the three B's is not a part of some of the best <laughs> things good. that you've come up with. Three B's, three B's. I mean, goodness gracious. Trying to inform the people on how good your three B's were last night, and you just refused to let me do it. Not only, Doug, did they hit some threes last night. Terry Rogier was five of 14 from behind the line. I mentioned Devontae Graham was 10 of 16, but you also had them have seven rebounds apiece. Terry Rogier had seven assists, and Devontae Graham had nine assists. The backcourt was very good. Doug, the mic is yours. Take it wherever you want to go.
1: Well, I'm just impressed about how involved Graham and Rozier were in the entire game. So, you know, you had the first half, they had 31 of the Hornets' 58 points in the first half, nine assists, so they were just involved everywhere and zero turnovers in the first half. And this team has not gotten off to great starts in the past couple of games, and it cost them, and and not, it has been defensive energy, but it's also been a, a lack of offensive execution and turning the basketball over. And you saw both in the first quarter and the third quarter, they held the Golden State Warriors to 20 points. So you come, out of, you come out at the beginning of the game and the beginning of the second half with the right mentality, the right professionalism. They're responding to Borrego's call, explicit call, to be better. And that's what you want to see out of this team. They're, they're, and I'll say this, it probably will not be the last time that this team will need to be refueled. That's part of dealing with a young group. But it's good to see them... You know, pick it up in this game. And the Golden State Warriors are, I mean, they're awful. And, you know, even with D'Angelo Russell playing well and Draymond Green's return, uh, this team's just awful. And they needed to get this win. First double digit win of the season, I believe. 15.
0: Yeah. I mentioned that with Sam that in the eight wins that they had coming into this one, the combined margin of victory in those was plus 24 for the Hornets and eight wins. So they were averaging about three points of victory. And then this was the first double digit victory that they had. I think the previous most they had won by was against seven. the Kings, and it was by seven 118, 111. Thank you. 3B beat, yes, beat that now. correct. The stat that I wanted to mention before you emphatically yelled about your nickname take on the backcourt mm-hmm. only five free throw attempts from the starting lineup in this game for the Charlotte Hornets. It didn't matter. They didn't need all that many, but Devontae goes three of three from the foul line. PJ Washington goes 0 for two. And Bridges doesn't get to the foul line. Biombo doesn't get to the foul line. Terry Rogier doesn't get to the foul line. The only other guys that would see a trip there was Malik Monk on an and one. And Dwayne Bacon went there and was one of two. So they were only five of eight from the free throw line. I thought that was interesting. That was the snap. That was the stat that snuck up on me in a big way, um, but this was clearly about the backcourt Doug and uh, the way that they've been playing. And I think they've found something here. I think Terry Rogier, we've mentioned it a million times. Clearly he is more effective off ball. I think that Nada tweeted this out too about Terry Rogier seemed like he had a little bit better decision-making in the pick and roll than we had seen from him before. Um, but still it's it just when, when I see him make threes, I just more often than not see them come via the catch and shoot. And he's done very well in that regard this year. Uh, it's, it's funny. I I don't think, I don't think we expected that Devonte Graham and Terry Rozier would be this good together, right? Like we had so much of a conversation of either or, and then I think we talked about, well, it doesn't have to be either or, you know, these guys can play together. But then it's like, oh, okay, wow, these guys are actually really good together. They're playing really good basketball on the court at the same time, and that's certainly been a nice find for the Hornets this season.
1: Yeah, offensively, offensively they, they uh, found sure, a way. Sure. Yeah, offensively no, right. they found a way to play together. I think the question moving forward is, can you pair both of those guys at the same time and still get stops on the other end? We'll have to see. I thought Graham. Uh, I think Graham has improved his defense as the year has gone on. Terry Rozier is a guy that can can consistently apply ball pressure and, and make things happen. But there are breakdowns behind him that happen sometimes, uh, that, that affect the ability of the Hornets to keep players away from the rim. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was great. Uh, how about Malik Monk's missed dunk? That Ooh. was the most ferocious missed dunk I've ever seen.
0: It got rims, uh, it got rim stuff, didn't he? I and it looked like it, like it looked like he short-armed it and then it bounced off. Like usually where people will lose the basketball and it'll bounce off the back of the rim, but it looked like it bounced off the front. And then I like how Malik Monk was looking at the rim, trying to figure out what was wrong with oh, it. He was very confused. James he, was, he wanted yeah, a he replay
1: on the Jumbotron. It's like, they're never going to replay a missed dunk on the Jumbotron. What are you waiting on? That's not going to happen. you shouldn't
0: want that. And you should want that shot to be forgotten. And I think it was Alec Burks who he was talking to on the other end, but he was laughing with like, and, and certainly Alec Burks was joking with him. But yeah, well, Malik Monk. Started laughing about it himself in good faith, which it really it really describes.
1: I think the experience of Twitter for so many people, you get that like fire tweet, and you're like, I'm gonna drop this, and everybody's gonna love it, and then it gets like zero retweets. I mean, that was the that was the basketball equivalent of of getting no response on your fire tweet. Just out, you know? How did the wait? How did that happen? How that no? That was the that's the funniest thing I could come up with. Another
0: interesting, uh, here's a, a math head for you, right? Here's a math guy in John Schumann who apparently, yeah. I mean, we, can we agree that John Schumann of NBA.com is someone that is more predicated? His, his content is more predicated off math. Is that okay? Can we say that? Yeah, math guy. Okay, sure. Uh, he tweeted this out earlier today. He said, Miles Bridges, somebody asked him, excuse me, who has the biggest defensive rating differential? And John Schumann repi- uh, replied, Miles Bridges, he's at plus 17.6 right now. John said he also has the biggest on off net rating differential. The Hornets have been 22.2 points per 100 per session, better with him off the floor at plus 6.8 than they've been with him on the floor. Mm-hmm. And that's minus 15.4. Now, Doug, we've talked with Rick about Miles Bridges and the increased responsibility that he has on the defensive end with Nick Batum being out, Miles was tasked with guarding the best player on the other team, specifically the best perimeter player on the opponent, uh, on the uh, opposing team, and then you look at Miles Bridges kind of struggling with those numbers. That does not bode well for the Hornets. If you're if you want to win games, right? And then when James Brego goes on this frustrating stance of we are going to find the lineup that performs defensively, And then you see that net rating differential in a big negative way with Miles Bridges on the floor. I think you might, I wonder if maybe you start to see his playing time reduced a little bit if they want to try to enhance their defensive play.
1: I don't know if it's possible though, because I think he is one of the few players that can go out and guard a a good wing. And I mean, so how much of that number is... The entire starting lineup struggling to defend. I mean, just team defense has not exactly been there. I mean, I would say that Miles Bridges no. one-on-one defensively has played very well. It's just you know when the yeah. when the when when somebody gets free up front because Devon because somebody blew by Devontae or because you know Terry couldn't stop something, you know that has ripple effects. And how much of that is is uh, Miles being on the floor for that that affects his different? I just single game differentials. I don't know. Or single player, I should say, single player differentials. I don't know how much I buy, uh, buy those. Um, but, but I would say that uh, Miles, is. I mean, he did a great job on Booker, I thought. So, I mean, you know, having that, having well, him with I'm, that tool yeah. is one thing. And then saying, well, do the, the Hornets play better defensive? I just think, I don't know. I don't think it's one player.
0: I think, well, of course it's not just one player because Devontae Graham has been bad. Malik Monk still has mistakes. I mean, yeah, I'm not saying Miles Bridges is the only reason that the team is bad defensively. I just think Miles Bridges, there are times where, man, it's really hard to watch his off-ball defense. And, Doug, I even think his on-ball defense, like even man-to-man, I think Miles Bridges still struggles with staying in front of his guys quite a bit. And this is a problem I had with him coming out of Michigan State, and I think it's still prevalent pretty much there. And it's been interesting to me. I mean, you see him play a ton of minutes, right? 30 minutes a pop. He's averaging 31 uh, he's averaging 30.7 so really 31 minutes per game. The last two he played 25 minutes against Phoenix. He played 19 against Golden State last night. Like I, I don't think this is something that is certainly going to happen, but it's just interesting when James Borrego says hey we're going to find something that works defensively with Nick Batum back in the fold. I just wonder if that means more minutes for Nick Batum and Miles Bridges, maybe going to the bench a little bit more frequently than we've become accustomed to. All right. That was the second segment on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with plenty more here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, but first, you know what my favorite part about this time of year is it's sweater weather leaves on the ground and threes from downtown. That's right. For some, it's fall season, but for the rest of us, it's ball season. Pro and college ball are tipping off, and there's no better way to feel part of the action than to have a stake in the game with mybookie.ag. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. Either way, if you're going to bet this season, Do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. And if you join right now, mybookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code LOCKEDONNBA to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA, all one word, LOCKEDONNBA to double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. More on the Hornets and the Warriors game from last night.
1: This is Locked on Hornets. You give me a new adjective. God, you're just messing this up. I, you know, I just I spend <laughs> some time away from the show, and you're still the same old Walker. All right, well, yeah. Give me a new adjective and give me a plural well, noun.
0: I, well, I, I've already thought of my plural noun. Now that you mentioned it, how about? Uh, well, I don't even know if this is plural. How about grape jelly? Does that work? Grape
1: oh jelly is the noun I was going to get. Plural guess. noun. This isn't
2: hard. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast.
0: So with the Hornets 15 point victory over the Warriors last night, it's only natural to look ahead at the schedule, look at their homestand and think, okay, where are the other wins going to come from? You know, with with Golden State having the best win that they've had, at least margin of victory wise, you know, you look at some other teams that they're going to be playing and you've got a couple of other bad teams. They've got Brooklyn, who I believe is over 500 right now. They're 11 and 10, I believe on the season. Yeah, they
1: got the win against Atlanta, but no Kyrie.
0: So, you know, maybe that's a winnable game, even though they lost the last time they played the Brooklyn Nets, uh, without Kyrie Irving, Atlanta has been really bad this season and Washington has been really bad this season. So when you look at Atlanta and Washington, you would think those are very much. So a couple of winnable games, and uh, it'll be interesting to see if the Hornets continue to rattle off a couple of victories, right? So let's say they do beat both of those teams that would bring them to 11 and 15, if they were to lose to the Nets. Uh, it's, you know, at some point, I, at some point you've got, I think there are six teams below them right now in the standings, or at least that are below, uh, in, in the Eastern conference. Right. Doug, I, let me count them. So it's the Hornets. It's the bulls, the pistons, the wizards, the Cavs, the Hawks, the Knicks, right? So there are six teams, six below the teams. Hornets in the Eastern uh, conference uh, standings uh, uh, right uh. now. So you have the Hornets. I don't, I mean, they're not going to make the playoffs, but there's going to be a lot of teams in that mix for a pretty good draft pick. I think if you are a Tankanista, I think the first thing that would help you out a little bit and would make you feel a little bit better about all of this is the schedule after the homestand. And in the second half of the season, it's going to get a lot tougher. Like the Hornets have faced some really bad teams already this season.
1: Oh yeah. They're doing a lot of their improvements and and development up front. And I don't know how much it's going to help them when they get into the latter part of, of the season, because as we profiled way back when we did the schedule reveal, it's brutal once you get into uh, February. Uh, they've got a lot of a lot of away games. And they've got a five-game homestand right now, but they've got a lot of away games late and against a lot of good teams that will be jockeying for playoff position. And, you know, as as well as the Hornets have done, I mean, the teams that are at the bottom of the Eastern Conference are pretty much the teams we expected to be at the bottom of the Eastern Conference, maybe save for Detroit, who a lot of people thought would do a little bit better than the, they're, they've done so far. So. You know, they're going to be playing a lot of teams that are jockeying for playoff position. Um, so I think it's it's good to win now. It's good to get that confidence up. It's good to see Devontae Graham playing really well. But I, I do think that um, it's going to get tougher as the year goes on.
0: Well, in teams with nine wins or fewer, uh, we already mentioned them in the Eastern Conference. But when you look at the Western Conference, there's still quite a bit of teams. It's the Phoenix Suns, the Trailblazers, the Thunder, the Kings the Spurs, the Grizzlies, the Pelicans, and the Warriors, who they just beat last night. I mean, that's a lot of bad teams in the NBA, man. Like, there's a lot of bad basketball being played out there. And in a league where a lot of people, I think, were excited about the parity that was going to come. You know, like, I think people were excited. Okay, you're going to get certainly the two teams in LA. You're going to get Denver to perform really well. Utah at 12 and 10 isn't performing as well as I think most people thought. But once again, I feel like we get this every year with Utah. I feel like the last couple of seasons, it's been a really tough stretch for them in the first half. And then the second half has lightened up for them. So I expect Utah to certainly be better than just the two games above 500 that they are right now. It's just interesting to see how many bad teams there are. And by the way, Doug, with the Warriors, I noticed last night, like if the Warriors truly wanted to win that game as badly as they possibly could. I feel like they would have played D'Angelo Russell more than the 25 minutes that he played and they would have played Draymond Green more than he played. Remember, that was, that was weird how he just came out of the second quarter like that. It seemed like he was injured and then just came out.
1: Yeah, well, um, something that, that I learned... Was that the second
0: quarter? I know Draymond came
1: out. Something before. that I learned by listening to the Locked on Warriors podcast is that they did they had just come from a Jersey retirement ceremony for Draymond Green in in Michigan. And so... You know, they were already out on the road for a road trip. They, they had lost a couple of games, and uh, a lot of his teammates made the trip out for his jersey retirement ceremony. So, and then they had to go to Charlotte to play that game. So, I think, yeah, you saw the Warriors going under on a lot of screens and open things. I mean, th- listen, Devontae Graham, great shooter, but he didn't get 10 threes by accident. It's because the Warriors played under, yeah. Yeah, we're really just not trying to guard him, and, and credit to him, he knocked the shots down. But I'll be really interested in this game against Brooklyn. This is a team with a lot of pride. Uh, As you said, they didn't have Kyrie when they beat them by 10 um, back a few weeks ago. And it's a team that's very physical underneath. That's a a problem for the Hornets this season. Uh, It's a team that plays well in transition, likes to get out and run. That's been a problem for the Hornets. Um, Both, I don't know if you remember this game, uh, Walker, but both teams came out and shot miserably. Like it was a really anomalous offensive game. So I just clear that, and uh, the Hornets have another opportunity. they got to stay out of foul trouble, man. P.J. and Zeller were both in foul trouble for most of this game. It was really up to Biz. It's switched up a little bit now with Biz in the starting lineup, and I wonder if they'll do a better job with Jared Allen. But uh, I'm looking forward to this game tomorrow. And the, right. the the premiere of the cool gray jerseys, the coolest, so cool. <laughs> So great. Much I'm great. sure so everybody's great.
0: gonna be excited about that. Thanks to Sam Purley for joining us, and thanks to you for listening. More than Remember, a math guy. You can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Blockdown Hornets. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Don't put Sam in a corner.